Welcome to the Boma, New Jersey podcast, where we feature industry leaders, allied partners, and share important industry insights. I'm John Majeski with Ellen Wolf as your hosts. Episode number three is brought to you by Energy Plus Solutions. Energy Plus Solutions helps improve your portfolio's energy efficiency now and enhances your balance sheet in the process to prepare your portfolio for anticipated regulatory requirements. So welcome to episode number three. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, John. Today, we will be learning about New Jersey's Energy Master Plan and how it will affect owners and managers of commercial properties in New Jersey. To discuss this topic, we have Mike Donahue, Director of Operations at Mountain Development, Jeff Grant, Strategic Sustainability Executive at Energy Plus Solutions, and Grant Salmon, Commercial HVAC Controls at Honeywell. Thank you for joining us today, gentlemen. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We are really excited to learn everything we need to know about the New Jersey Energy Master Plan. And uh, this actually might turn into a two-part podcast because there is so much information. So we're going we're gonna to start off and uh, figure out what we need to know as property managers, building owners, vendors. You know, I think this is a really good time to do so. Yeah, so when I started researching, getting ready for this podcast, you know, I, I kind of looking in commercial building owners and managers in New Jersey, they've all heard about the Energy Master Plan but I get the feeling that most don't quite know how it will impact them. So where should we get started so we can properly inform our audience? Well, I think that would be a question for me, Uh, John. I'll be happy to kick it off. Um, What we're talking about with this energy master plan began in 2018 when Governor Murphy signed the Clean Energy Act. And that Clean Energy Act specified that by 2050, New Jersey will be supplied with 100% clean electricity. And by 100% clean electricity, that means some combination of solar, wind, and probably nuclear energy. So to get to that point, imagine what your world is going to look like as a building owner and manager, where all you have is electricity serving your building, and you have a growing, if not a complete retooling of the automobile industry, where everybody's using electric cars. So think about where you are now. Think about where you're going to need to be in 10, 20, 30 years in this new electric-only world with no more fossil fuel vehicles. That's where we're going and that's where we're heading. Wow, so we have until 2050 to get all of these things implemented in our buildings? Well, right now the the plan is improving efficiency uh, and starting to build the infrastructure to be able to charge electric vehicles. Uh, there is some talk, uh, Senate bill was released. I don't know what the status of it is at the, at the moment, but the Senate bill was uh, limiting the sale of vehicles in New Jersey to only electric vehicles by 2035. So on one hand, we've got the state of New Jersey and PSG&G and other utility companies putting in EV charging stations up and down the major, major arteries. Uh, and then we've got the state, state legislator talking about eliminating you know, fossil fuel light, light trucks and cars so there's the dots, connect the dots. Uh, that's where the state is heading. How fast we get there and how we get there are the questions that we just don't know yet, but we've got the plan, we've got the end result, and, uh, and we're watching it unfold. And the key now is to be mindful of where ultimately we're going and to begin making decisions now that dovetail with ultimately where we're going as a state. 
So Jeff, if I'm a commercial building owner or manager in New Jersey, you know, I'm thinking about my building. Will my building have to be retrofitted? Would it be grandfathered? What kind of enforcement mechanisms will they have? Like, how do I, how would I fit in that picture? We don't yet know, uh, but we do know what New York is doing. And so far, it seems New Jersey is following a footprint or a pathway similar to New York, where the state will set uh, carbon limits on what you're allowed to consume in your building. And if you see those carbon limits, you pay a surtax, a surcharge. So if you look at every energy source entering your building, electricity fueled by potentially gas-powered generation plants, uh, fuel oil, natural gas firing your boiler, add up all the carbon emissions. If you exceed that threshold, you know you, you potentially would be open to a fine and a penalty. Uh, that's how New York is doing it. We don't yet know how New Jersey is going to actually enforce this transition to its ultimate goal. And I, an interesting thing that I, I know New York is also doing that just went into effect last year that has caught a fair amount of attention is they're now taking those emissions um, totals that have been generated by a building, ascribing a letter grade to that and smacking it on the front of the building. So you might have a building that's you know brand new, hot off the presses, that's a, a LEED certified building that has a big letter D next to it for its energy performance. And that's been uh, causing quite a stir that I've been seeing in the, uh, you know, the multifamily sector and also the commercial um, sector as well. So that's an interesting one. And, and that grading is more for like public awareness? Correct. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get the public on board to, to start you know, demanding and, and asking for better performance out of their buildings. We have a, a building in Manhattan, which is about 110 years old and has to go through this same process of an energy audit that, find, that gives you a final grade. But looking to the future, in terms of retrofitting a building of this age, it's going to be a true challenge. And then, Mike, what do you think your, your tenants would think about this? You know, they, they say a building that you have in New Jersey, it's got a C next to it. Is that something that your tenants, you think, will care about? Yes, especially if they are a large corporation. The corporations that are in the Fortune 500 have checklists that they need to look at the different uh, criteria that a building will have. And sustainability is already one of them that they are looking to. So it's only going to become more prominent. Uh, over time with uh, the larger companies. And that filters down to smaller companies too, of course. So it's something that we will all have to be paying attention to. Okay, great. So, so Jeff, what does electrification mean? Oh, that means that, you know, it's going to be one source of energy supplied to each building, each home, and it's going to be electricity. Uh, so <clears throat> simply that means is if you have gas fired hot water heater, gas cooking, uh, gas heating, uh, the goal is, is to eliminate all those fossil fuels uh, as a fuel source, as an energy source for the building. Imagine, you know, a building, Manhattan has boilers. Buildings in New Jersey have boilers. Buildings in New Jersey and Manhattan have gas cooking systems. They have gas hot water heaters. The goal is, is for all that gas fired equipment to be eliminated. Right now, the time schedule is showing in 2030 is when New Jersey wants to begin. And this is per the Energy Master Plan. 2030, New Jersey wants to begin eliminating gas-fired boilers in buildings. How are they going to do that, technically, uh, is, is yet to be determined. But uh, that's the plan goal, and we'll see how it unfolds over time. 
do they have like a date that they they're going to come up with all this? So we'll have like a, a actual timeline that'll be something we can actually look at. Uh, well, the timeline is a little fuzzy right now. I mean, if you read the Energy Master Plan, it'll have timelines for when things are going to start. Uh, for example, you know, gas boilers being eliminated is supposed to start in 2030. How long it's going to take, nobody really knows. Eliminating fossil fuel, liquid fueled vehicles uh, is supposed to start in 2035. How long it's going to take, nobody knows. So there's still a lot of open ends in the plan, and, and rightly so. I mean, this is literally a major reconstruction of building systems and infrastructure throughout the state. Who can guess how long all this is going to take? I really don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody does, but it's the path the state has chosen to take and take it we are. It just prompted a question in my mind too, that you know, I've, I've always heard that the electricity that you know comes into my house or into the building is like 30% efficient after having you know, gone through distribution losses and we're ultimately burning a fossil fuel at the power plant. So why is this making anything better by electrifying? Like what? Aren't there emissions associated with generating the electricity? Oh, that's a great point. Well, the first step is it's a well, it's a multi-step process. But the, one of the one of the forks that the state is taking is to electrify everything at the end user side. And the other step is is to eliminate all fossil fuel fired power plants. Mm -hmm. So right now we've got about five percent New Jersey solar, you know, built into our energy mix. Uh, the governor has has organized and, and signed legislation and direction that's going to be putting 7,500 megawatts of wind power off the coast of Atlantic City. So that's going to be unfolding in the next three to five years. And 7,500 megawatts right there is enough to power up half the state. How the other half is going to get powered is going to be some combination of solar, additional wind plants, and nuclear, as long as we have it. Uh, nuclear is an acceptable form. There is no emissions associated with nuclear. However, the plants we have in South Jersey, they constitute about 35 to 38% of the power, power consumed in New Jersey. They're all aging out in 15 years. So a timeline between 2020 and 2050, halfway through that timeline, we lose three nuclear power plants in South Jersey because they age out. They'll become effectively you know, toxic waste sites once they're shut down. So how the state's gonna deal with that, we really don't know. But right now we do know they've got 7,500 megawatts of wind plant you know, right now on track for the off the coast of Atlantic City. I just had a question back when you first started talking, you mentioned that if you read the New Jersey Energy Master Plan, in my research for this podcast, I did try to get through the entire thing on NewJersey.gov uh, website. And, you know, in layman's terms, I had a really hard time understanding a lot of the things. And I think a lot of it was sort of repetitive. Yes. Um, Grant, Mike, have you gotten through the whole thing? And is there any points that you guys can recommend that we 100% focus on right now? Like if there's just one part of it? That you, well, think you know, the master plan is uh, is basically laying out the strategies that the state is going to take. And there are seven different strategies that they have. Those strategies need to be diluted into regulation. And so you have the uh, DEP, Department of Environmental Protection. You have the BPU, um, uh, the utility um, regulator. Um, as well as the uh, Department of Consumer Affairs, 
all busy writing regulations to accommodate these different strategies. There's not really been, they're in their nascent state right now. Um, they haven't released any drafts. Uh, they do have stakeholder meetings at uh, different points, but they're early on in the process. So right now it's sort of a waiting game and monitoring what's coming out and, and listening. But right now there's no date as to when we can expect regulations from any of these different agencies. But what you can uh, imagine is that um, building codes will be tightened up to accommodate energy efficiency. Uh, the DEP will be looking at emissions and, and creating regulations that basically clamp down on the emissions so that the goal of the uh, energy master plan are met. And, and the BPU is working with the different energy producers, the typical utilities that are already in place, um, to go into the innovative technology that is out there, such as wind energy, solar energy, and what else is on horizon, new technologies that haven't even really hit the market yet, that may be uh, a an element of the solution to come to the uh, to come to reach the objectives of the energy master plan. And so basically, it's pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> pay attention. Uh, and also, I also had follow New York. It seems that Governor Murphy is taking the path that uh, mm -hmm. Bill De Blasio, Governor Mayor De Blasio, is taking, and the state New York City is taking. So it's a kind of a good model, I think, to follow, which is expect energy audits, expect you know, having to uh, publish your, your energy use data to the DCA and other regulatory authorities and expect that, you know, where you, where you get that Energy Star label and you've got that Energy Star building label, great, but you're going to get another label. We're probably going to get like the letter labels that, that Grant and Michael talked about already on our buildings. It's probably where we're going to go. So we have the benefit of looking at New York and using that as a model uh, to guide our expectations as these regulations, as Mike pointed out, are, are evolving. And Ellen, I, I did get a chance to read it. Um, we're, we're what, right now about six weeks out from Memorial Day, so it's a perfect beach read. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dry. It, you know, it's, a, it's tough. It's a technical document. But it is also you know, giving us the, the kind of playbook for certain things that we need to be doing in our buildings. And I always advocate, let's, you know, we need to be hitting the low-hanging fruit. There are a lot of buildings have you know, widely available energy conservation measures that they can be doing now that can start to get the infrastructure and their facilities prepared um, for a, uh, a lower carbon future. Um, there are retrofits that can be done to you know, variable frequency drives. That, that's one we hear about all the time. You know, how many buildings have uh, you know, centralized um, fans and pumps and whatnot? that a VFD could be equipped on and you could start saving some energy there. But perhaps the, the bigger thing that jumps in my mind is I think building owners, portfolio owners, real estate investment trusts and what have you, they need to begin working with the design community starting now to really start to be planning and thinking about how to do this. Because you know, technically, what does that actually look like to say we're gonna rip a gas-fired boiler out of a building and now you have to heat with electricity. So there are major considerations about running new electrical infrastructure within buildings, making sure we have appropriate service, you know, up and down buildings. I mean, it's clearly pointing to heat pump technologies, right? 
So how do we, you know, how do we find the, the infrastructure that will allow us to deploy that, you know, 15 years down the road? Because it, right, we're 2021. And if in, you know, 15 years from now, your big boiler plant in your building is ready for a replacement, are you going to upgrade that with a in-kind replacement to that boiler plant that might cost half a million bucks or whatever mm-hmm. it might be? Or are you going to apply those that capital towards the new infrastructure that you're going to be mandated to comply with another 10 years after that? So I think that's something that should be on the, the conscious uh, consciousness of a lot of building owners now. And the other thing uh, that I briefly mentioned is emerging technologies. One of the things that we're seeing now is artificial intelligence talking to the building management system to make it smarter so that it is uh, even more um, uh, aggressive in terms of conserving energy in a building. So that's something that we're seeing a lot of now, but I'm sure we'll see even more of as as time goes on. It's an emerging technology and it's an emerging need that have to meet. And I'll say on that that point, Mike, because that's one, you know, being at Honeywell, I'm very close to that. You know, a lot of buildings, in my experience, you have a building management system, but you're not getting the most out of it that you can be, right? With some additional engineering and programming time, you can start to deploy some of these machine learning techniques that it'll do, you know, active analytics, fault detection and diagnostics, and it'll, you'll kind of incrementally improve energy performance by leveraging the technology you might already have in your building, you're just not using. And why aren't they using it? Because they're not asking for it, right? That It's kind of like this chicken or the egg problem that um, I see that real estate ownership is not demanding higher performance out of their systems, so therefore, the network of vendors is not, you know, kind of proactively pushing it out there because, boy, that's too expensive. I don't want to do that. And it, it's this you know, cycle that we haven't broken out of yet. Those are both good points. And I would add that that's one of the major benefits of this whole sustainability shift in our thinking is there are opportunities out there to save energy and in better, better facilities operation over time. And it's created the awareness that there are these opportunities, you know, smarter controls, different technologies are going to drive dollars to the bottom line now, rather than, you know, wait until we're told to do something. Uh, it's right. It's the right path to start thinking about doing these things now. And I might also add that the other side of all this is, as these regulations are unfolding and as these, these motivations to do energy efficiency projects and improvements are, are taking place, there's also incentive programs in the state of New Jersey and New York where you, know, you can turn a $6 million project into a $4.5 million project with these incentives. So it's not all coming out of the pocket of the landlord and the owner. There are, you know, if you know what you're doing, there's ways to extract these incentives, maximize them, and apply that you know, paid-in capital to the projects, reduce the overall cost, improve the payback, and everybody's happy at the end of the day. The state's happy they we're getting closer to their goal. Companies are happy they're getting efficiency and bottom-line benefits now. And the people that actually have the money to apply for clean energy projects are happy too. They've got their goals. They want to do these projects. They want to find ways to get the word out to help people do these projects. So it can be a three-way win if you look at it, look at it a certain way. I'm aware of um, you know, at least one New York City Class A major, you know, big-time portfolio owner, some you know, some of the, the biggest, uh, more expensive spaces in the city that for the past five or six years, 
they've been, you know, every time they invest into an energy retrofit and they accrue energy savings, they're taking those dollars and putting them in a fund for future capital allocation to future retrofits. So they're saying the savings of today are going to pay for the CapEx work of tomorrow. And I think that's a, a pretty farsighted way of doing it. That's genius. Yeah. And well, along those lines, I, I also like to chime in about data. You know, what is the savings of that? How do you measure it? How do you account for it? And in the world of finance and in the real estate world, people can see a rent check, goes right to the top line, it's great. But how do you see, how do you measure what you would have spent? How do you not down the grinder? So data is really king in this business. It's very data intensive. Um, having the right data platform to track energy, measure your success, set your goals and measure your success. And as Grant said, you're going to save up for that you know, rainy day fund like he's talking about. You need to understand exactly what you're saving. And that's all part of a good data system. It needs to be the fundamental underlying basis of, of of the decision-making we have ahead of us. So let me see if I understand this correctly. So it sounds like there's not an exact timeline of when buildings will need to comply. And then there's no enforcement structure yet. We don't know exactly how that's going to work, correct? We have an idea, but we don't know exactly. As like Mike said, you know, until these regulations are actually put down on paper and turned into reality, we don't yet know. So basically we know it's coming. We got to start looking towards the future and think about, okay, how are we going to cope with this when they do come with the exact timeline with everything. That's that's correct. And keep in mind, this is a political process. So uh, things can change uh, as, as time goes on. This could become more stringent or it could become more watered down. It depends on, on the political process, which is um, it, it's not going to happen right away. That is the one thing that we know. <laughs> okay. And, and to that to that point, to the, New Jersey fortunately is doing this process on a regulatory basis. It's more malleable uh, to the end user. We can have influence on them, and we do. I mean, BOMA is involved in advocacy groups today that are they're a part of trying to shape the electric power markets in New Jersey to lower rates. So, regulatory approach, the regulatory system is a little bit easier to deal with versus New York, on the other hand, which is all done legislatively. I mean, these are local law 87, local law 88, local law 93. Local, these are all laws, very, very hard to change once they're in place. So, we're fortunate in that sense that New Jersey's done, done it a little bit differently as a regulatory process than New York. All very good information. If, if I'm a property manager, building manager, building owner listening to this, before we Go ahead and wrap things up. Is there anything else that I think that that I should know? Well, from my from my perspective, having come from over two decades in the commercial real estate industry and watched these programs evolve over time, this movement evolve over time, uh, you know, it's never it's going to help us to be ahead of the curve now. You'll and and you'll save money one way or another now if you put the data systems in place come up with a plan and approach to deal with energy improvement efficiencies in your properties, and then you're ahead of the curve. In the meantime, what you're going to be doing is going to be driving dollars to the bottom line anyway, so you might as well do it now. And then the byline there is document. Make sure these projects are documented. Make sure there's a case study written up. Make sure there's data to back the success. So when you're told you have to reduce energy consumption or improve efficiency by 2%, 5%, 10%, you can show you've already done it, and you don't have to jump that hurdle again. So those are my recommendations at this point in time. And, and Jeff, those are great recommendations. And based on what I read in uh, the um, 
energy uh, master plan, they're using 2006 as the benchmark as to what you need to reduce your energy from. So that's a good starting point that what, yeah. what you can do now, uh, first, of course, the low hanging fruit, but continue uh, to have continuous improvement on your energy savings is, is really the way to go. And my, my suggestion overall is have a plan, right? Don't be caught, you know, nine years from now when, you know, the, the regulations have caught up and, and there may be, you know, fines that, you know, right, they, they might be uh, dangling carrots, but they might also be hitting with sticks after that. So, you know, get the plan in place now, have, you know, staff who know about this stuff, who can help you get on the right path. So you're, you're not caught by surprise when it will hurt more in the future. All very good advice. Okay. Wow. That was a lot of really great information. So we learned that we need to make a plan now and Grant, Mike, Jeff, thank you so much for your input. Um, I think we will revisit this again and get a little more detailed information from you guys another time, if you don't mind, but we thank you so much for joining us on the BOMA New Jersey podcast, episode number three. And if you'd like to learn more about BOMA New Jersey or better yet, get involved, please visit BOMANewJersey.org. And Grant and Jeff also serve on the BOMA New Jersey Energy Committee. So if you'd like to find out more information about the New Jersey Energy Master Plan, you can reach out to them. Yes, it was good to participate in this. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on the BOMA New Jersey podcast, episode three, sponsored by Energy Plus Solutions. New Jersey and the nation have an energy plan. Does your portfolio have its plan? Energy Plus Solutions can help. So reach out to them at energypsolutions.com. Tune in next time for all the BOMA New Jersey insider information that you will only find right here on the BOMA New Jersey podcast. Till then, I'm Ellen Wolf. And I'm John Majeski. Thanks for listening. Stay well, stay strong, and stay safe.